Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yeah. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many yeah, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little... Or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hello, everybody. <laughs> Welcome to Estrogen Power Hour, episode number four. Colleen, would you like to introduce what we're talking about today? Yes. So today, we are going to be talking about Chris Sale's attempt, the five-year anniversary of Chris Sale's attempt to be a Project Runway superstar. <laughs> We are going to talk about him cutting up the 1974 jerseys and getting suspended for it. <laughs> this episode because... is sponsored by Joanne Fabrics. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Buy <Gun>. things <laughs> from there. And Tim Gunn. Oh, Tim Gunn. <laughs> they've got scissors. They've got... Uh, what, what Fabric. You? I'm, I'm trying, trying to think of like exact yarn. Other things that you could cut up jerseys with. Fabric scissors. Fabric scissors. Those little, uh, I don't know, actually, they look like pizza cutters. The seam things? Yeah. Oh, yeah. The seam rippers. Like a, yeah. I don't know. I'm not crafty. Um, so Chris Sale's got a leg up on me there. I can't do anything like that. I can't make clothes. I can't sew. I definitely could take a knife to some uniforms, so. So for those playing at home who don't remember the Chris Sale jersey fiasco, do we want to give them a summary of it? Of what happened? Yes. <laughs> for those playing at home. Yeah. Explain so, it to me, too. Explain it to you. Did you know, I only, know what happened? <laughs> I do, but only through reading stuff about it. I wasn't I wasn't existing in this universe I was, when I was alive, but not in was Sox I the only universe. One who was, in, was I the only one at the game when that happened? 
Um, I, I remember where I was when that happened. I remember that I was at home and I like, I, I thought people were just fucking around with me. Uh, uh, I, I just heard that, oh, Chris Sale cut up all the jerseys. And I'm like, no, we didn't. Yep. No, it so, does sound fake. It, it, it does. does. Totally fake. It totally sounds fake. Okay. And so when, those- when I will say from like my perspective as somebody who didn't know about it prior to maybe like a year ago, I was like, that sounds very dramatic and fake. And then like after reading about it, I was like, oh shit, he really, he snapped. Yep. So he no spoilers, no spoilers <laughs> for me. So I cheated and looked ahead, but yeah. yes. All right. For, so for those playing at home and new to Sox fandom, uh, July 23rd, 2016 was the 1974 White Sox Jersey throwback day. Um, and for anybody who's been to a game when we they've done the jersey throwbacks they hand out the jersey as like your first 10,000 people who come in and then the team wears them and it's you know it's like a little gimmick um and I think at that time they'd done a lot of jersey giveaways because I have a few like old school type ones from back then I definitely still have the 1974 jersey somewhere I should have busted it out to wear but I'm pretty sure it didn't fit me then and it doesn't fit me now um so my husband and I went to the game and we got the jersey, we get to our seats and everything. And we see that Chris Steele's no longer pitching. Now it's, um, oh, it was Matt, Matt Albers. Matt uh, Albers. Um, good old Matt Albers. Who, <laughs> soft spot in my heart for him. Um, and they're wearing the 83 throwbacks. And I was like, and I even said to my husband, I was like, oh, well, that's kind of weird. Usually they wear the jersey that they're giving away. Um, and for anybody who does, who also doesn't know, the 1974 jerseys are infamous as the ones that they wore shorts with. <laughs> they're, they're the infamous softball uniforms. I mean, they're ugly as sin. And I feel like they've kind of de- just developed like ridiculous lore in Sox fandom just for how butt ugly they are. And everyone kind of laughs about it. So... Uh, we're there. Matt Albers is pitching. They were in the 83 throwbacks. I was like, all right, kind of weird, but whatever. Uh, and I start getting alerts before the game started. I got an alert that Chris Sale was scratched for the night. And I was like, oh, he must have, he must be hurt. Like, that's kind of strange. Um, and as the game's progressing, I'm getting more and more alerts from ESPN that Chris Sale was scratched because of a clubhouse incident. And then, between innings, I checked Twitter and it was saying that Chris Sale was scratched because he cut up the jerseys in the locker room so nobody could wear them. And I was like, this is batshit crazy. There is <laughs> no way this is real. And then I got an ESPN alert that said the same thing. And I was like, what? I mean, in 2016 was a wild ass season. Like, that was the Drake LaRoche, Adam LaRoche shenanigans. Which is um, also unbelievable and completely weird. Yeah. yeah, like, the 2016 season is just, you know, and Todd Frazier and Adam Eaton got in a fight in the locker room, and they had to be separated. They had to have their, like, there is something wild about that 2016 season. Um, But, yeah, so then it came out later that he did not like the uniforms, he didn't think they were comfortable. He had gone to management about it, said, I don't want to wear this on the day that I get to pitch. Um, and I guess they basically told him, like, tough shit. Like, still pitch. 
So during batting practice, he took a knife and cut up all the uniforms because he didn't want to wear it and didn't think anybody else should have to either. Oh, wait, wait. So, so I have a quick question here. So it was confirmed yeah. that he used a knife, right? Yep. And so he cut up all of the jerseys and not just his own. I'm trying to yep. think like what type of knife and, and I, I'm trying to think of the speed and also the amount of work he had to do in that time. Like he had to commit. It was you know, a crime like, of passion. It was. Like, you know, you know I, 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 I would I really like, like, maybe MLB The Show to have some kind of DLC where you're just sort of like, you're Chris Sale, and you, <laughs> and you have a ton of jerseys to cut up. See, here is a regular serrated kitchen, Walmart kitchen knife. Go ahead and see how many jerseys you can cut up before the clubhouse attendants notice. I would play the hell out of that video game. Right? And but I guess a kitchen knife would make sense too well do they keep like knives in like the training rooms to cut I mean I did read about something. it yeah I read about it earlier today um and it was like something that was it wasn't his it was just something like laying around I thought it was yeah. scissors it was a knife yeah it was a knife and I, I thought it was scissors too but I guess it was a knife and I'm like what kind of knife do they have laying around? But I'm guessing it had to have come out of the training room or the kitchen or something. I know. Yeah. I'm here just over here thinking about what type of <laughs> knives would cut through fabric. Easily. I'm just thinking like a giant serrated bread knife. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, you know, and those jerseys aren't like made to last. I guess they're kind of polyestery, so it's probably easy to get through them. Maybe, Matt, you know what we should have done for this episode is maybe, like, get one of uh, those jerseys just as, you know, uh, a demonstration. demonstration. And and, and try to see, kind of just, like, exactly, maybe um, CSI it and see how quickly we could cut through those jerseys with, you know, a similar knife that that Chris Sale might have used. So definitely trying to, like, going, taking the criminology uh, uh, lens through this. That's going to go in the Patreon account. You got to pay for that kind of content. <laughs> yeah. That's going with our sex talk. That's going in the Patreon. You got to pay for that. <laughs> yep. Pre- premium content. Yeah. Well, then he was suspended for five games yeah. over it too, because. Coordination. Yeah. It, it's subordination and damaging team materials or something. Like he wasn't allowed in the ballpark. He wasn't allowed anywhere near the feel like it was just wild um and I have to think that that was kind of the final final nail in his coffin in Chicago because there had been like some shenanigans before that and he wasn't getting along with the front office and I think that kind of did it for them they were like this guy's too much fucking trouble here we go I pulled up an article from Bleacher Report in 2016 so his new manager John Farrell explained to Brown that he believes that um that outlook will help him make the transition to the Red Sox (laughs) That's a fiercely intense competitor, Farrell said. You're, you're around him here, and he's a very genuine guy. But he brings an edge, no pun intended, with him in between the lines that will fit in very well here. All right. So, oh, I would like to be the type of person where, you know, hey, you, you just, like, cut up a bunch of jerseys and you get a job somewhere else. So that, that sounds like a pretty good deal there. You dude that's, like, pretty good at pitching. I bet he just carries a knife, like a Bowie knife, and he, like, straps it to his ankle. (laughs) Yeah. 
He doesn't care. He doesn't have sticky stuff right now. He just has a knife. No, yeah, and the sticky sticky stuff bad. Knife in the knife in the sock. That's okay. So I have a question for you guys. Um, prior to this incident, like, what was fan kind of perception of him? Like, how was he perceived? Or do you have like a comparison for? something like if something were to happen like that today what it would be like or who who it could be compared to I really specifically remember um having this conversation with coworkers of mine and having just read generally in local media that basically like Chris Sale before this happened the attitude was basically like Chris Sale because he was the ace on the White Sox at the time and because they were such a dumpster fire I mean, and that's not sugarcoating it. Like I, I know that we we talked in an earlier episode about how you guys kind of dipped out of fandom when they were doing that shitty. Um, and they were they were a total dumpster fire, and he was like the staff ace at the time, so he really could have done no wrong. Like the joke was, he could run someone over, and the Sox wouldn't do anything to him. Um, and that was before all the Drake LaRoche stuff started, and before he cut up the jerseys. Um, I have to imagine that without one or the other, they probably would have kept him. Just I because do remember, yeah, I do remember that he, he had like a lot of leverage that uh, he probably felt as if he could get away with a, a lot. Uh, now keep in mind that this was around the time I was definitely dipping in and out of fandom, just mainly because the team was pissing me off with all their antics. So uh, my my account may not be as as true to life as yours is, Colleen. But I do remember that at the time, um, my office mate, who was a Padres fan, was definitely kept well abreast of the situation. He would talk to me about it, too. He's like, what's going on there? Like, why did he cut up all the jerseys? Uh, it seems as if, you know, there's, you know, not really a lot of control over the clubhouse right now. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, stuff is not great right now. I'd rather not talk about it. Um, yeah. I, I might need a temporary break from being a White Sox fan. Uh, but, but yeah. Yeah, I think like that was kind of the beginning of the end for Robin Ventura too, because like, he, he was a player, like, everyone's, oh, he's a player, he's gonna be a great manager, play, you know, they love managers who have been players and all of that stuff um but he had like no control over what the hell was going on there like 2016 being such a wild ass season for the White Sox with like Todd Frazier and Adam Eaton not getting along and Drake LaRoche and the Jersey incident and the team just being so fucking bad that I think that was like the beginning of the end for Robin Ventura um he coasted for a long time on like Jerry being super loyal to everybody and people really liked Robin. I think people still like Robin Ventura the player. I don't think people are that wild about him as a manager, uh, which is kind of where my separation comes into. Like he was my favorite player as a kid, as a manager. Not the best. I think most people have successfully kind of divorced the idea of Robin Ventura, the player and Robin Ventura, the manager. You, you kind of have to, if you're going to re- appreciate his playing days. Yeah, definitely. So um, okay, my experience with this was different. This was kind of pre me being a fan, but me being very um, involved in the happenings because my husband was, actually watching them in 2016 so I was kind of forced 
to pay more attention to them to keep up with him. And I would just make fun of him for what was happening with the White Sox. And I remember when this news broke, we were up in Chicago. We were at a bar with some friends and the alert came onto my phone through like the ESPN app. And I was like, what the fuck is happening with your team? Are they all just imploding? And he was like, what are you talking about? And I was like, Chris Sale just cut up a bunch of jerseys. And he was like, no, that's not real. And I was like, yeah. And I showed him the article and it was just this like, I mean, there were probably like 10 of us crammed in this little booth at a bar and everyone was like, are you kidding? So it gave me a lot of fuel to just make fun of him because that's, that's who we are as a couple. We just yeah. make fun of each other. <laughs> Good for you. Yeah. <laughs> so that gave me so much fuel. And then, and I liked Chris Sale, actually, even if I didn't root for the team, I liked him. But I remember texting him after they won the ring in Boston. And I was like, oh, man, Chris Sale is going to cut a rug on the dance floor. Today. <laughs> and he was like, you're not funny. <laughs> that joke is so old at this point. And I was like, I don't care. And I don't care that I root for this team now. I'm still going to make fun of you for everything that happened in 2016. Yeah, I definitely was not a Chris Sale fan after all of that stuff happened. I was like, dude's got some issues. He's like, a little too much drama. Um, So this is funny. Looking at the baseball reference page, the starting lineup for that day, for that game, with Adam Eaton, <laughs> now infamous Angels <laughs> Angels legend Adam Eaton. Angels legend Adam Eaton. Uh, Tim Anderson. Melky Cabrera, who my mom loved. She thought he was just the best. Uh, Jose Abreu, Todd Frazier, Tyler Saladino, Avi Garcia, Dionair Navarro, oh my who was a catcher at the time, um, and J.B. Shuck. Wow. Woo, that is a that is a lineup. I gotta Th- say, those are definitely some names that you just said right there. <laughs> those are some guys. That is definitely a field of some guys. That was when nice. the White Sox were we were we were fielding some guys, and I think that was the point where everyone was like, "This rebuild is happening, right? Like, this team is going to get better because right now it sucks." Yeah, but then the uh, pitching for that day, Matt Albers started. Uh, Dan Jennings, Tommy Canel, Zach Duke, Nate Jones, and David Robertson. <laughs> I don't know if it's just me, but ha- haven't all of you just somehow just mentally repressed 2016, just the entire year in general? I mean, just uh, all of the other things that have happened that year uh, were are, are whatever. But I feel as if that White Sox season is like the one that, in my mind, didn't happen at all. Yeah, it was such sounds a bad like, season. Sounds like it was a good one. <laughs> Too. It's it crazy to think, guys. It's crazy to think about just that team makeup compared to how it is now, and yeah. how they were. You know, I like what we have now. They were doing a lot of, I remember they were doing a lot of rent-a-players at the time. Um, There was definitely a lot of that going on, where it's a lot of just one-year deals and, you know, guys at the end of their contract and all that good stuff. Um, Yeah, Adam Eaton was, (laughs) Adam Eaton just comes back like a bad rash. (laughs) 
my eating's showing up again. Ah, God. But and yeah, I mean, he's gone again. Ah, now Angel's legend, Adam Eaton. Oh, uh, Keelan, and you didn't hear about this. You didn't hear about it when it no. happened. No, uh no, because I, I agree with Janice. Like in general, twenty sixteen. I don't remember a lot about that year because I think that year I moved from Chicago briefly. I broke my collarbone. I had some light cancer. Um, so I was definitely very much not. What? So some light <laughs> cancer? Yes, light. I had a light bout of cancer that Jesus. year. Yes. <laughs> <Anyway>. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> That basically kind of like sounded like uh, I might have committed some light treason. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. I showed up on January 6th, but I didn't storm the Capitol. I definitely did not do that. But yeah, I had a, I had cervical cancer and I had it surgically removed, but basically I had a very, uh, I thought about my mortality a lot that year. <laughs> so it was nothing that serious, but it was also Maybe. like, you know, you still. Should've... We should have given you Chris Sale's number so you could have called him and given him some perspective on life. That yeah. like, dude, you being mad about these jerseys is not the end of the world. Yeah. No, it definitely, I thought a lot that year, but it is interesting, the control factor of it all, because I was reading that, you know, like on the White Sox, it looks like sometimes the starting pitcher gets to pick out what uniform they wear, or at least that was the case yeah. then. So I guess they forced him to wear them, and then... I don't see... And that was the only time I had ever heard of that on the White Sox. I mean, and I'm not a I'm not a beat writer. I never have been. Um, but that was really the first I'd ever heard of something like that. And I'm like, I feel like if that was the case, it had, someone else would have mentioned it at some point. Like, picking what uniform to wear... Yeah, it I mean, was it was super weird. Like the whole thing was I mean it was super weird and like he was like, "Well, I didn't get to pick the uniform we wear." I'm like, "I don't think that's up to you all the time." Um, so I, I think this was that was like sourced from an old or at the time new actor current um Ken Rosenthal tweet that said yeah, Sell yeah, had picked his White Sox jersey for every previous start. Every Sox starter does. I wonder if that's still a thing. Yeah, I feel like that might have been a thing and they like a thing and in so much as they were like, yeah, okay, whatever. Just do what you want. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. I, that that would be interesting to know in general because I would that would change my perspective. It'd be like, oh, I get to watch baseball and there's a, like a fashion <laughs> I get to judge their fashion choices. Yeah. And then we're <laughs> back to Project Runway. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Full circle. <laughs> Tim Gunn would not have been impressed no and I'm like I'm really surprised that no pictures of that have ever come out that we've never seen a picture of like a mutilated jersey somewhere that's what I would really like to see because I want to know the extent of the mutilation I want to know like what exact what parts of the jerseys were mutilated I I need to know that unwearable creation of the entire thing so i I, i'm i'm serious about this guys i want to take like a serrated bread knife or whatever and just have a bunch of jerseys and just like go chris sale because i want to see how long it would take to like successfully mutilate like what like 25 30 jerseys successfully well i mean batting practice is kind of long i guess like you did it during batting practice 
So yeah, and there weren't really to what, from what I've seen, there weren't really a lot of super specific details about like what you guys are saying, what kind of mutilation of the jerseys was done, how many, like, was it literally all of them or was it just like a few of them? Also, I'm just thinking of the scene. It was from, all of them. <laughs> I'm thinking of the scene from Mean Girls when she like cuts the boob, <laughs> she boobs cuts out the of the shirt. Out. And how amazing it would have been if they'd still <gasps> all gone on in those uniforms. Oh, that would have been awesome. There were a lot of Chris Sale uh, Halloween costumes that year, I remember. <laughs> what were they like? They were like, it was just like people in either a blue polo or people who had gotten the jersey with it like cut up with like a pair of scissors attached to them. <laughs> they said they were Chris Sale. I do remember a lot of Chris, Chris Sale Halloween costumes that year. Now that I'm caught up on this story, I'm just going to bring it back and be, like, five years behind. <laughs> I'm this irrelevant sports event from five years ago. <laughs> See, now you know when we let, when people are joking about it on Twitter, now you know what it's about. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think hearing about those things from that whole season, I'm like, it's like a fever dream. It felt like a fever dream. Like, as somebody who was even a fan of the team at the time, it, it was kind of like a fever dream. I mean, it and it just like because the White Sox weren't—they're not like a team that there's like a lot of drama around. They're not like the Yankees or like the Mets used to be, where like Jeff Wilpon was doing dumb shit every other week. They're not the Red Sox, and like they didn't have John Lester, you know, who basically got chased out of Boston with pitchforks. They didn't have Carlos Zambrano punching like Gatorade coolers. It wasn't. They weren't, like, a team that was known for drama. And then, like, from the go of spring training, there was just, like, all of this crap that was happening. And it was like, what is going on yeah. with this team? What was the, wild. like, was that incident the weirdest that year to you guys? Or was the Drake LaRoche thing weirder? Um, I feel like kind of a hindsight question, but if you remember. I, I just think the Jersey thing was definitely weirder because it was certainly like less believable at the time. It, it, it just seemed yeah. just incredibly bizarre and out there where I, like the first I heard about it and I'm just like, this is, this is like some onion bullshit. This is not even. This <laughs> yeah. Who does that? <laughs> Who does that? Precisely. Yeah. That I, I really thought at the time the Drake LaRoche thing was going to be like the weirdest thing that season and no. It definitely was the Jersey thing because like seeing, I was like, Oh, Chris Sale was scratched for the night. Meh, whatever. You know, it, stuff happens all the time. Yeah. I didn't think anything of it. And then I'm seeing on Twitter, he cut up the jerseys. And I'm like, Oh, what? no, no. Who would do that? <laughs> what kind of lunatic would do something like that? And turns out, <laughs> Uh, so all of you know that Chris Sale is also a lefty. Uh, so uh, cutting with left-handed scissors or, or, or cu- cutting with right-handed, right-handed scissors is also very difficult too. So I'm also taking this into consideration that cutting with a knife would have definitely been a lot easier considering like, I- I'm assuming that Chris Sale is also naturally left-handed. Uh, so there's well, also. Maybe he was. So I'm sure you guys all remember or vaguely remember Trevor Bauer when he was on Cleveland cut his finger playing with a drone 
and it was on his throwing hand. Okay. That's right. Yeah. So we are going to assume that Chris Sale was smarter than Trevor Bauer and did not have the knife in his throwing hand. Let's assume he held the jersey with his throwing hand and cut through with his right hand. Yeah. Because he did not cut himself. He didn't. He didn't. Yeah, I I would hope that Chris Sale is smarter than Trevor Bauer, but the the bar is kind of low there also. Yeah. Well, and if it truly was a crime of passion, we don't we don't know if this was planned or, or passion. And I think that'll make all the difference. What if he had cut himself, though, doing it? That would have been something. Just been even dumber. Like, of course, you, of course, he cut his hand cutting up these jerseys. Why the fuck wouldn't he? You know, like that would have just been the icing on the dumb cake. <laughs> Of course he he cut himself and he's got to go on the injured list. Sure. Why not? I'm smart. (laughs) Yeah. Well, he was suspended for five games. So it was like kind of being on the injured list. What was it when he came back and played again? How was he welcomed slash perceived? I don't even remember. Oh my goodness. Uh, I feel like everyone kind of thought he was just like a head case at that point. You know, and I don't like, and I don't like to call players head cases. Like, it, it's really weird, and I feel like the bar for that is very low. But like coming back, I think a lot of people were like, "Dude is crazy." Like, I feel like yeah. the the perception of him was like he was a nutcase. Yeah. So. Well, and then I mean, I feel like a lot has changed in the way we talk about players and their mental health in. The past yeah. four years, but like a crazy amount the past 10 years, um, even in the past year or two. Um, so, yeah, but that it seems like, you know, I think this one is really interesting because not only it wasn't just his jersey. I mean, it was everybody's jersey and he was mad because it wasn't a comfortable fit for him. Do you guys do you think it really was that it didn't fit no. comfortably? Yeah, he just no. didn't like the way they looked. I think that's what it was because like. <laughs> They are pretty weird. So I have short. Really Did they have to wear the shorts? I didn't know that. I don't part. think so. Oh, okay, okay, okay. That makes a difference. I don't think they had to wear the shorts. I think it truly was just the jersey top. My understanding of it was that it was just the jersey top, not that they had to wear the shorts too. But also, shorts seem to be like a safety problem. Let's say like sliding is probably going to be super problematic, and they lasted like. I don't even know if the shorts lasted the full season in the seventies. I'd probably have to look. Actually, let me text my dad and see if he'll t- see if he responds. <laughs> yeah, that, um, that definitely would have been a seemed like a no starter for a lot of guys. I would think. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I think it was just the jerseys um, at the time, or in the two thousand sixteen game. I don't think they were going to wear the shorts. Um, and as somebody who played in a variety of jerseys, I don't really believe him that it was uncomfortable. You know, like, I feel like they give them enough movement and, like, they make sure they manufacture them so they can move around a lot. It's just kind of, like... Yeah. I don't know. Well, this was the one with the collar, right? This is, that's the only, yeah. is that the only difference? Like, there's no buttons. So it's like a polo. It, it's kind of yeah. like the 83 jerseys and then it's a pullover, but then there's also, like, a collar. Yeah, kind of like a navy blue collar. I'm, yeah. Yeah, so and then the writing that's... was in white. Yeah, that's interesting. So, like, literally kind of the only difference would be a collar and no buttons. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and it's still, like, it's it's truly still like the 83 jersey, except there is actually a collar. Okay. 
texted my dad, asked about the shorts. We'll see what he says. He usually takes like two weeks to respond to text messages. <laughs> we'll wait. Yeah. So I imagine by the time we'll follow we up on our next episode. episode. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see what he says. And poor dad. It's not great at responding. <laughs> Speaking of jerseys, are the City Connect jerseys cursed? Yes. I think so. Yeah. I think so. There's like a gypsy hex on them or something. They're, they're slowly warming up on me. I do have to admit. I, I've seen them a couple of times uh, in person. Uh, the a nice young lady sitting next to me at Friday's game was wearing one. And I was lo- looking at her and I'm like, hey, but that's actually a really nice look. Uh, I, I bought a Yohan Moncada jersey uh, too, just mainly nice. because I might have been slightly inebriated and really wanted to make an impulse purchase and saw that I, I don't own any Yohan Moncada uh paraphernalia so it's like perfect I'm, I'm just gonna go ahead and buy this shirt uh and I like it I like it a lot uh but I have a feeling that yes that, that there seems to be some sort of bad juju surrounding the city connect jerseys uh but I do remember the initial reaction wasn't great uh at least my thoughts uh they definitely uh did not necessarily think outside the box it was just essentially as as if they threw all three of their current looks into a blender and just like dumped it out they they made a jersey (laughs) smoothie uh, so kind of going mm. yeah, Chris Sale theme. They're trying to, I was going to say Chris yeah, Sale, cut it up and throw it in. There you go. Yeah. They kind of look like the American Giants jerseys from the Negro Leagues where they were like all blue with uh, pinstripes. And Nike didn't say anything. I'm like, they totally could have covered their butts and said like, oh yeah, it's a, throw, it's a tribute to the Negro League instead of being like, we took a little bit from each of their uniforms and I'm like, ah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the opposite, the more I see them, the more I just don't like them anymore. And I liked them a lot at first, but when you see them up close, it almost looks like you washed them with like, I yeah. don't know. It has like heathering or like that yeah. slub mm-hmm. pattern on it. It looks um, like yeah, filled and I'm like, oh, actually, no, I don't. Yeah. And that's all, I feel like they look like the only thing I don't softer. like. Right. Yeah. yeah. Once it was pointed out that it looked like it said like Smith side, I couldn't oh. do that either. So thanks for that, Brett. It was our fearless leader, Brett Valentini, who said that they look like Smith side. Uh, Welcome to the Smith Brett. side. But if your if your last name's Smith or Smithers or something, then there you go. The Smith adjacent last name. Yes. There you go. Here we go. Congratulations on your new jersey. Welcome to the Smith side. I feel like they look like they should be softer, like with the heathering. Yeah, I agree. It looks like they should be like cloth and they're not. Yeah, that was kind of a random. It it just seemed very random. Like the rest of the, I like, I like them minus that one thing. And it's just very random because it's like, why? Because I agree. Usually that's on shirts because they are like softer, you know. It's like a relaxed look, but they look like pretty clean otherwise and then have this random thing. I did not like them because of that when they first came out. Now I like them more, but I didn't get one and I was like very upset at myself. But now that they're kind of cursed, um, <laughs> I feel okay about it. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. so they are, they've lost every game they've worn them right now. Yeah. Yeah. They were <laughs> curse confirmed. So I'm. Friday they wore them and it was like 
they almost won, and then they just yeah fart noise. Yeah, I've been waiting for that to be broken. I wonder how many times they will wear them. Um, and that would be that would be interesting to know once again if like pitchers picked out what they wore. Um, <laughs> Gilito's not going to wear those anymore. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Now it's like, oh no. <laughs> I just wonder what will happen in like 20 years when their starting pitcher decides that he does not like those jerseys when they wear them for like retro night. <laughs> I'm going to cut them up. History repeats. It's going to be like a mental hospital or like a jail in that clubhouse. They're not going to have sharp objects anymore. <laughs> like they're not going to, no scissors, no knives. We can't have anything in here because you, you guys to... can't be trusted. Yeah, you have to get like a keys to it's like elementary school kids, like you keep the yeah. scissors in a cabinet. Yeah. Yeah. They get, um, they get the kids' scissors. Safety scissors. Oh my goodness. Yeah. It is it is I think I mentioned this um the day they wore the City Connect jerseys last, but I won't I can't get over Tony Larusa like seeing him wear those because they're oh. like <laughs> Yeah, it just is so weird, but I love it at the same time because I'm oh, like, oh, he's so dorky. This is so strange. <laughs> so the picture of him with the sideways hat. So like, my so it drives my dad nuts when pitchers wear their hats sideways, and I'm like, I think they do that because of the snapback hats. You can't bend them the way that you used to. So a lot of pitchers have been wearing them sideways. That's what it reminded me of when my dad turns his hat sideways to make fun of pitchers. <laughs> Oh, it's like in Mrs. Doubtfire when Robin Williams like gets busted for having the kids party. Yeah, he's, like, he's got like the <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what it reminds me of. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I did not think about that. I was like, this sorry. reminds me of something. But yeah. But I mean he know like I think when he wears it, he he knows what's up. Like he has enough self awareness for for that where you can tell he's like, Yeah, okay, whatever. <laughs> yeah. God, I hope so. <laughs> yeah he's gotta know he looks like a dork like, he's probably not does. Off. he's like he's probably just like i want to take a nap or something <laughs> i'm over the shit <laughs> that is why my conspiracy theory is going to gain traction yeah i, I, yeah. <laughs> I i've been dying to hear your conspiracy okay. theory because it's, it's in the notes podcast it's all the way at the very end and i don't it is at the very end because to wait until then to hear what your conspiracy theory is those are colleen's notes she can't even wait to share her own conspiracy no i can't <laughs> wait to share the conspiracy theory so okay so this is like this started off as a joke with my dad i was like tony lewis is asleep in the dugout there's no way he's like he's 76 years old. His ass is sleeping in the dugout like 90% of the time. Um, and I had, I don't know if like we just thought, you know, he's not coaching. There's no way he's managing every single game every single time because there's a lot of things that are inconsistent with the coaching, right? Um, sometimes we bunt on Derek Collin when there's no outs. And he's walked a bunch of batters. Um, so I, when I was on Killer Bees with Tim Ryder from the Mets, um, somehow it came up. And there's a conspiracy theory that Tony LaRusa is not coaching all the games, that he is, that Miguel Cairo is doing some of the coaching. 
And apparently this is just a conspiracy theory that like my dad and I have <laughs> because nobody else has heard of this. I was like, wait, no, I swear other people have talked about this. Like maybe they were kidding, but like, I'm starting to think that Miguel Cairo is actually doing the coaching and Tony's just like sitting there. So Tony is just sort of like the, 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 the symbolic coach. He's like Santa He's the figurehead. He's, he, yeah. yeah. He's the padre. He's the figurehead. <laughs> like Ethan Katz is like poking him with a stick when he's got to go change the pitchers. <laughs> like just tap your arm. It's fine. I, I actually do like the idea of puppet Tony, uh, just mainly because it's, it's not only amusing to me, uh, but it also uh, is some reassurance that this old ass man is not actually making any of the decisions. Sorry, Sebi Zavala just almost fell into the dugout. <laughs> Oh, no, 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 no. We need a good defensive catcher to not hurt himself, please. please. Well, he was going for a foul ball, and then he kept going into the bar. But they caught him. He's fine. It's okay. We have Eloy and Luis coming back, so it's fine. Can one of them catch? (laughs) I don't know, but everything's fine because... They're coming back, so don't worry about it. I saw a video, actually, that the Knights posted where he made a very nice diving catch. And I was like, shit, maybe he has improved defensively. This is our only. Is the outfield in Charlotte made out of gymnastics mats? Yeah, the gymnast mats. I I, I saw the video of the catch, and it still looked very awkward. Um, It it, it was still a good play, I think, at surface level, but I did not like the way that he landed on that dive, and the extension of the arm was just also like, oh, my God, please don't hurt yourself. He's going to be Can you imagine him hurting himself doing his rehab assignment? Yes. (laughs) I can, actually. That's what I know we're gonna. I can. Yeah, I know we're gonna talk more about this, but I mean that's one thing with the trades or not trades that I'm like, somebody is gonna get hurt, or some buddies are definitely gonna get hurt still. So I'm a pessimist though, but also a realist. Well, we have a lot of injuries this season. Yeah, and they're not really slowing down. I guess we haven't had a major one in the past. How long, how long has it been since we've had accidents? I think it was uh, yeah, the last one. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. June. Yeah. So it has been X amount of days since our last incident. Since yeah. Incidents. Since, since someone was admitted to White Sox heaven. Yeah. Make it stop. In my wall. Yeah. See? And that is why I don't think Tony's coaching. Because I don't think Tony would know the swaps to make. I think Miguel Cairo would know, but I don't think Tony would. Mm-hmm. This, this conspiracy theory is going to gain some traction. I'm I've, definitely going to get a cease and desist letter from the White Sox. <laughs> I don't know, though. So, I mean, like, wasn't Tony doing, from what I understand, isn't Miguel Cairo, like, the bench coach, aren't they trying to usually kind of prep him in case he would, like, step have to step in for whatever reason? Yeah, so you so if Tony were to actually get thrown out of a game, so if Tony would actually, like, give a shit about what's going on and fight with an umpire and get kicked out of the game because he was standing up for his guys, which, yeah, okay, um, then the bench coach would take over. Uh, but, but still, yeah. I don't think Tony 
That's why I think he's sneaking sometimes too, because he's not challenging and he's not really going out and fighting with the umpires. Like homeboy's sleeping on the bench. They don't show well, him on TV that much either. It's all Ethan Katz. I mean, I know he's dreamy, but still, he's not the manager. <laughs> well, and then whenever I forgot what it was now, but like whenever it was about the was it the extra innings rule? Um, yeah, he didn't know about it, and. I mean, he admitted it, but also that was kind of like, what have you, how, but like, what have we been doing otherwise? There are some things that are like inconsistent. I don't pay them enough attention to like see it, but there have been even things that I've been like, I don't understand why we do this right sometimes and then not right other times. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. The extra innings rule thing. So, and- <laughs> Chris Woodward, who is the manager for the Rangers, who just in general, I like him. I like him as a coach. I think he's very smart, a very smart baseball person. Um, was asked about like knowing the extra innings rules and different rules between the NL and AL teams. And he's like, yeah, I make sure that going into a stadium, we know the rules for that division, for that league. And I'm like, that's just good sense. Not yeah. everybody does that, apparently. Yeah, I mean, again, I'm not a I'm not a baseball manager, so I don't know, but it just seems like it's just good sense. Yeah. What do you mean you didn't know the extra innings rule, or that you didn't know you had, you know, X amount of time in which to challenge, which apparent, which was the one in like I want to say Seattle. Didn't or say it, it was one of the early games, either Seattle or Anaheim. He didn't know that he had like 20 seconds to challenge or something. Um, it was one of the yeah. things that he was, he, he did not know. No. That's not alarming. <laughs> so maybe. Because, yeah, maybe they're propping him up. He's, he's a puppet state of Tony. And mm-hmm. yeah, then when they have to ask him things at press conferences, it, he legitimately is like, whatever. Yeah, he just says whatever the first thing that pops into his head is. Which kind of tracks if you watch his talking to the press. I like that we have a new segment about conspiracy conspiracy. (laughs) (laughs) I'd love to tell you Colleen's conspiracy corner. (laughs) And I am not a conspiracy theory person. Like I think they're so dumb and I'm like, wait, this one might actually kind of be true yeah well I feel like for that it's maybe it's a little Tommy and I spoke about Miguel Cairo like way early on in the season I think it was spring training um I don't remember what it was that we talked about now but it was like something that the bench coach usually does but Tony LaRusso was doing it instead um and then we were like okay maybe that just means he's gonna have like a heavy hand that Tony LaRusso was going to have a heavy hand going into the season. Um, Mm -hmm. But now it's like kind of the opposite or maybe he has had a heavy hand, but doesn't have a good control on certain things. And and it's so those things we talked about that aren't kind of matching up or adding me into, I'm I'm putting gasoline on Colleen's conspiracy (laughs) corner, basically. Yes. (laughs) Me throwing a match on it. We're just watching it. Well, I honestly think like the best conspiracy theories are the ones that are like 
plausible, the, the ones that might be true. And I'm over here trying to make up my own conspiracy theory too, that, that, that'll, that'll match Colleen's because Colleen's is pretty good. And well, I, I did hit a hand in that one um, because I said on the Killer Bees episode, I was like, there's a corner of sex fandom and nobody else had heard it. So I'm thinking it might just be my dad came up with this and is like spreading it around now. I feel like, I, one, I respect your dad because he's been to <laughs> socks gel so automatically i'm like interesting i'm i'm into your dad he sounds awesome um but then also um he's kind of a drunk that's how he ended up in socks jail <laughs> i love it <laughs> i will listen to your drunk in jail in socks jail dad anytime but also like i feel like if somebody said that on twitter they would get reamed and we all would have seen it yeah that's true that's true now i'm just gonna get a season desist letter from the White Sox. I'm not gonna get. I'm not gonna get the usual nice letter. Thank you for being a season ticket holder. I'm gonna get the one that's like, can you not talk about us anymore? Thank you. We don't want to be associated with you. You can just play the satire card or parody. <laughs> there it goes. That's the new thing now. Oh, it was satire. I don't take me seriously. It was... Oh yeah, it, 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 it's a joke. Yeah, I'm, I'm just going to assume that everyone is familiar with my with my online persona and just get completely butthurt when someone interprets my very satirical take as serious. <laughs> yeah, that the I said that you know you should if people call you on it, don't just say it's a joke. Shut the fuck up and apologize. And just he was, just he shut was the fuck up. up. Just you just he, stop responding. Like just he take responded to that he and go. To me. Yeah, you responded to me and went, "Well, I apologize." I'm like, "You missed the shut the fuck up part, though." <laughs> yeah, I, I I like how I and you know we're we're all t- anyone who's listening to this probably knows who we're talking about already. I'm not going to go no. to the extent of explaining like who I'm talking about, but anyway, no. uh, if someone online like asks you, hey, what can I genuinely do to be better? Like, 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 what can I do to, and this is going to make me cringe, but what can I do to convince you that I'm a good person? And if I say, for starters, stop replying. And if you reply to that, I am going to completely assume anything you've said to me is completely just disingenuous. So Uh, it's like kids playing the quiet game. (laughs) You know, like when you, when you have little kids and you're like, we're going to play the quiet game. Um, and then it lasts five minutes and they start talking again. It's like you lost. And to make it further, I mean, like, if you really have to explain your comedy, it's probably not very good comedy. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So comedy is degrading towards, you know, like women. If, yeah. Right. If your comedy has to punch down on, say, a generally historically marginalized group, I hear yep. women. Uh, so, yeah, it probably isn't very good comedy either. Um, no. And you. Yeah, we should normalize telling men that they aren't funny. Uh, but of course, like the last time I told a man he wasn't funny, someone told me to go kill myself. Uh, but anyway, yeah. I digress. <laughs> Yeah, normally it's telling men they're not funny, so then their first response is not go kill yourself, because <laughs> y'all need to hear it more. Some of y'all aren't funny. Um, my tried and true trick when I see somebody double down on the, well, my racist joke, my racist comment was actually a joke. Okay, explain the joke to me. Yeah, that'll always tell you when you're, like, 
So yeah, explain it to me. Explain to me why this is funny. Yeah. I've done that with sexist comments. Someone Mm -hmm. in the workplace thought it was funny. And I was like, can you explain that joke to me? I don't get it. Yep. And when you repeat it, you're like, oh, maybe that sucks for you. Oh my God. And I also think a really poor defense is like, oh, well, I'm going to completely bring up you know, uh, no one goes to White Sox games. And of course, you know, that's very loaded because then that kind of brings in a conversation about how, uh, yeah, I mean, some, some folks in some South side neighborhoods, I, the South side is not a monolith. So I just want to like make that clear that there are some neighborhoods that have been historically economically repressed due to systemic racism. So there's always this weird sort of racist classist, uh, connotation whenever those comments are made. And so like, all right. So being a woman of color, uh, just someone replying to me with, oh, well, you know, the White Sox had these shirts like 15 years ago that said, you know, the world's biggest gay bar. Yeah, admittedly, that is homophobic, but we're not talking about that right now. We're talking about you bringing up all of these tired arguments. So the deflection is definitely very exhausting. 100%. And my favorite thing about like, especially talking about like, oh, well, Monday was a double header and there was nobody there. Yeah, you know what? We have jobs, you fucking jabroni. Of course, <laughs> it's a Monday night game. Yeah, I to the vet, okay, and then I had to take yeah. my mom to the doctor. I have shit to do, dude. You know, yeah, people place like people have jobs, you fucking jabroni. Yeah. Also, I will say too that I think like yes, people have jobs, and then particularly a lot of us like to drink and Mondays are not conducive, not everybody at all, but Monday is not a conducive party day. Like that's not a, that doesn't work that way (laughs) either. I I also think one thing that hasn't been brought up is that Wrigley field is marketed as a tourist attraction. So, and it looks like it, like a strong argument can be made that, you know, maybe a good 50, maybe even higher percent of people attending those games aren't necessarily Cubs fans, but they're people who want to just experience a game at Wrigley Field. Now, the fact that Wrigley Field is marketed as such a strong tourist attraction is because, all right, so proximity to a bunch of restaurants, bars, clubs in the neighborhood, sure, um, accessibility via public transportation. And that's not to say Sox Park has that too, because it does. But the thing is, though Sox Park isn't marketed as a tourist attraction as much as Wrigley Field is. So I I would probably say a strong argument can be made that say the like 12 to 15,000 people at a White Sox game are all there to see the fucking White Sox. While say the 22, 25,000 people at a Cubs game, how many people are there to see the Cubs and how many people are there to just like experience Wrigley Field? Yeah, I had friends come in from Nashville that they went to a Cubs game. They're not Cubs fans. They just went because it, of how close it was. And then also because of honestly, how people do. perceive well, how people perceive the South side. And it's not true. Like you said, Janice, it's not a monolith. And I mean, that being said, even for the areas, you know, people have been told not to go or may not want, feel comfortable going because somebody, they heard something from somebody. It's like, it doesn't mean there's just like shit happening there all the time or, you know, every city has spots that have been like kind of ditched and like not helped. And a lot of it is because of like systemic racism. So, I mean, that's everywhere. 
the funny thing. If you look at like a crime heat map of the city of Chicago, and every few years, like NPR puts them out, the trip puts them out. I mean, they're they're very easy to find. If you look at like a heat map, a lot of crime is actually concentrated around Wrigleyville. And like yeah, Wrigleyville, River North, um, like Wicker Park, uh, Michigan Avenue, and it's you know tourist spots, pockets yeah. of people with money, and the other well, and like to build on Genesis point about Wrigley being marketed as like a tourist spot, Sox Park is in the middle of like a neighborhood. You know, like there's apartments and things around Wrigley Field and all of that, but like legitimate houses it is in the middle of a neighborhood like as somebody who has lived in the neighborhood and someone whose family is from that neighborhood it's a very nice neighborhood it is a nice neighborhood too that's the other thing when people are like it's dangerous I'm like there's like I I see you houses down there they're like first of all they're super nice yeah fucking houses down there right now there's no like renters really either they're like all houses like single family that's what it was for a long time. It was all like blue collar workers and single family houses and all of that stuff. Um, I have stumbled around drunk in that neighborhood a hundred times. Yeah. And never felt like, and again, my experience is not the same as everyone else's. I've stumbled around drunk in that neighborhood a hundred times, never felt like I was going to be in trouble. Um, when my husband and I first got married and we lived in Bridgeport, he was working nights and he, he's in the union and when he started in the union he had to work nights so I'd get home from work and I'd be like well what am I going to do for a few hours at the time dollar hot dog day was on Tuesday walked out take the dog out for a walk bring him in give him dinner walk down to the park watch a game and that's something that's pretty common like a lot of the people going during the week are people who live in the neighborhood and who live walking distance because you can just you know you don't have to fuck with parking and that will all that other stuff. So it's disingenuous to say that nobody's there during the week because there's no fans. Well, no, people got shit to do. Like put, putting a game during the week is inconvenient and that's on Major League Baseball. Precisely, precisely. Yeah. I mean, I was at the park all weekend and it was honestly just a, a shit show. I honestly don't, I, I actually don't yeah. like sellout games because the lines are long. There's yeah. just like the, the capacity is, there's too many people to deal with. So on both days, on both games I went to, my social anxiety was through the roof because like I had to deal with all of these people around me, all these cars around me and it's trash. It's absolute trash. So I oh actually like, like Fox don't sell out every I day. I do too. I like week, like weeknight <laughs> games, honestly. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I'm, if, if you invite me to anything, I'm a who's all going to be there type person. So <laughs> I'm, I'm just going to be like, all right, so who's all going to be there? Oh shit, 25,000 plus people are going to be there. I don't know about this, man. Uh, but yeah, if I know that just a couple of my closest friends are going to be there and it's going to be a pretty chill, low key game where, you know, you just go plop down, grab a beer anywhere, like chill out in the 108 or whatever the hell. Like, yeah, like I want that. Give me that. <laughs> yeah. Give me short lines for beers. Just like, let me, yep. let me just get my shit and go. Let me spread out, like put my bag on one chair, put my feet up. <laughs> Makes me sound like I'm lounging in the ballpark. 
I mean, why not? <laughs> too, like, I'm like with COVID and I mean, now with it kind of, you know, Delta, even if you, I read a few things that even if you have the vaccine, some people, and I have the Johnson and Johnson one. So it's not as like, they're still trying to understand the efficacy of that compared to like Moderna and Pfizer with Delta. Um, like I'm a little nervous, honestly, with that many people there still, I'm like still not over that a little bit. So after seeing photos yeah. of like the lines and stuff, I'm like, man, maybe I should go to more, like not as many games that are as crowded, like those pictures yeah. from the Astros series, which was awesome. Like I made my heart very warm, but I would have been like a little freaked out for a number of reasons, like social anxiety. Yes. And yeah. then also COVID. Well, and the people, the people complaining that there's no vendors, I mean, and part of that is probably resulting from COVID restrictions and things like that. But also I imagine it wasn't easy to get people to come back to work because a lot of the people who work at the ballpark are older people. Um, my grandma worked at the ballpark as long as I can remember. She worked at Sox Park and she worked at the United Center. Yeah. Um, and you see a lot of older people that work at the park, work at the concession stands and things like that. So I imagine it was hard. It's been a little harder for them to find people to staff up. Um, that doesn't mean you should post pictures on Twitter complaining about lines. Like, come on, guys. Just be cool. Like, it sucks. Everybody's in line right now. You're not special. Yeah. Well, it seems just like a, li- a little bit of, like, what you're saying, finding staffing, and then just kind of adjustment to to this, I mean, at capacity. Getting yeah. there. So, yeah. Yeah. They went Which from... Everybody. Well, yeah, they went from being limited capacity, 40%, to being, like, 100% open. Everybody can come in. Um, so there's staffing issues. Of course yeah. that's going to happen. Just, you know, don't be a jerk to the people who work there. <laughs> that's my soapbox. Be cool to be cool to the employees. That's all. Be, ni- be nice to your minimum wage workers, tip your waitresses. Don't be there. The former day of game employee, yes, please be patient and please be respectful. And please, for the love of God, tip employees too. So if you pay by credit card uh, at Guaranteed Rate Fields slash Sox Park slash whatever, uh, you can leave a tip, but the highest mm-hmm. option that you can do is 15%. I highly suggest yep. you go way higher than that uh, because these people deal with a lot. So yep. I-, I would suggest doing 20 25 if you can so definitely tip your day of game employees well these hard-working men women non-binary folks they 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 deserve it yep it's a hard job someone's got to do it someone's gonna feed your ass you drunks (laughs) thank you for feeding my drunk ass (laughs) yeah someone's got to feed you you drunks All right. Do we want to keep the uniform conversation going or should we take a break for a commercial? I think we need a commercial break. I think so too. All right. We're going to advertise some products and services. That may or may not be applicable to to you, but you're going to hear it anyway. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. 
And that is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Mr. Wendell. Mr. Wendell. Mr. Wendell has thought. He does. He's like, you guys talking about boner pills? I don't need those. I'm perfectly <laughs> healthy. Where's that Chewy.com commercial? <laughs> yeah. Give him his bones and shit. <laughs> oh, my dad responded. What do you say? Are we, are we back from commercial break? We're back from commercial break now. Break from commercial now. break. So I texted him and I said, when the White Sox wore the shorts, was it for the full season or a month? And he said, I think it was only a month. There we go. There we have it. You call you can me also see- for your service. Yeah. My dad is our fact checker. You can also see the picture I sent him of the somebody in a LaRusse's point oh. <laughs> oh, boy. I was watching the broadcast and I was like, wait a minute. Yeah. They paid a lot for that, so that's pretty funny. Maybe they did. Anyone else see? um, It's one of the people on White Sox Twitter had the Carlos Rodon pay him jersey. I've seen that one. Yeah, Nathan wouldn't let him get hard Carl, so he has a Rodon custom jersey that just says "Pay him." Silly. What? what, Wait, wait. What's wrong with hard Carl? Besides, you know, the obvious possible, you know, (laughs) sexual connotations. Did he do it at the customize your own jersey spot that they have now? Or did he do it online? It was Nathan. um, Nathan Sheba. Yeah, Nathan Sheba. We're going to have to ask him. Nathan, if you're listening, let (laughs) us know. (laughs) Tell us, how did you procure your jersey? I agree with his sentiment, though. Please pay that man a buttload of money so we don't have to face him. So I'm definitely thinking that Radon might want to try to to test the market, uh, unfortunately, but I I hope, I I hope just kind of like riding on the coattails of the Lance Lynn deal that the White Sox do not let him anywhere near free agency. So I'm thinking, so he's 28 years old. Um, He's heading into perhaps his prime years. So I'm thinking perhaps a three to four year deal is appropriate. I'm thinking along the lines of 35 to 40 million, uh, even more. Uh, but I feel as if that's probably a safe range to what the White Sox might pay him. Uh, yeah. But he's definitely warranted uh, for a, a healthy extension. I honestly hope he gets his money uh, with a National League team uh, in the event that he chooses not to return to the White Sox. But anyway, uh, he certainly earned it. He's already like sparking. He's already sparking AL Cy Young talks. And I can definitely uh, attest yeah. to that. Uh, just the way he pitches is just a joy to watch. And I mentioned earlier on the NBC uh, Circling the Bases podcast that 
I, I love seeing his velocity spike in later innings. Just on, I think on like pitch 81, he hit his highest velocity of like That's 90. Crazy. Yeah, no. the dude just gets just just gets this second win or maybe this third wind out of nowhere and just finds all this power and awesome. it, it, it's really been great to see. So anyway, I, I love hard throwing left handed pitchers. Um, <laughs> so uh, I, I definitely hold no shame. I, I will talk about hard throwing lefties all day. I love soft tossing lefties too. I, I just love left handed pitchers in general. So for context, his contract this year, his one year, three million is his contract this year. And his agent is Scott Boris, which I actually did not know. Um, our good friends at Scott Track giving me our salary information. Well, the thing to also remember is that Dallas Keuchel is also a, a Boris client too. So it's not necessarily off the table that, you know, I know like three right. years people have been saying like, oh, the White Sox will never sign a Boris client because all Boris wants is money. And the thing is though, like we've been for, for years, like we've been tricked into thinking that Boris was the enemy. Like, no, no, he, he he's just simply no. getting paydays for his players. He's doing his job. Right. So, right. And if anything, uh, if anyone says that the White Sox can't afford to extend both Lynn and Radon, that's a lie. That's a flat out fucking lie. Jerry is fucking loaded, guys. He <laughs> is loaded from real estate. He is not paying for that fucking stadium. All right. He's getting money back for that fucking stadium. All right. I almost hurt my neck shaking my head. Oh, shit. <laughs> Damn it. Oh. Jerry is loaded. All right. He is. He absolutely is. Do not be on the side of the corporation. Be on the side of the worker. <laughs> I read the collective bargaining agreement, so you don't have to. <laughs> Thank you, Colleen. You're welcome. My husband's union contract <laughs> is up this year, so that's where I'm at right now. Nice. I yeah. like it. They are not going on strike. His dealership is not, which makes me happy because I don't know if I could do a year of COVID last year and then a strike year and not end up in the loony bin so oh my goodness yeah. it'll, it'll be uh, the lost summer revisited uh, for oh yeah entirely different reason though but i remember 90s i remember the strike season it sucked yeah i i was i was a little baby child uh, just getting into baseball so it like it's it certainly uh affected uh, me, I, I, I honestly like had no idea what was going on at the time. Um, I didn't have yeah. class consciousness at eight years old. Uh, I, I probably should have though, honestly, but I was dumb. Kind um, of did. <laughs> so like, I remember, so I was like in, uh, it was 94, 95. So it was fourth going into fifth grade. Um, I sort of had class conscious, like I had a concept of unions and union workers because my grand so at the time Sox Park um uh it was it, right now it's Delaware North it was Aramark uh used to be the food contractors um and they were unionized they were all union employees Aramark is a Chicago-based company or it was at the time um so I had like a concept of union workers and contracts and things like that I mean obviously not the level of class consciousness I have now um, but I knew that they, why they were striking and I knew that it was bad, <laughs> you know, and then like NHL strikes and things like that and work stoppages. Like I had a, I, 
my my concept of it wasn't that the players were wrong. It was that they should be getting paid. So thanks to my parents, I guess, <laughs> for helping on the union, helping me understand what unions were. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I will say that is a concept in growing up in the South that is definitely foreign. Um, so it is coming, coming up here. I had like a lot to learn and catch up on. Um, I didn't see like my first picket line until I was 30 or 31. I think, um, Did you see Scabby the rat. No, I didn't even see it here. I saw it in San Francisco. Um, oh, really? but I have heard, I, yeah, I've heard cause I was like traveling for something for work and hotel workers were striking. Um, yeah. not at my hotel, the one I was staying at, but another one and, I, was, I feel like, like Scabby the learn. Rat is just. <laughs> I've heard of. I've heard of this. I was like, I, that was another thing that I like. The first time I heard about, I was like, is that real? <laughs> so, I'm the in rat. Chicago. There've been a lot of things. I'm like, is that a real thing? <laughs> that, a lot that to might just be something we do here. That happened the weekend I got married, and I had friends coming in town because we got married up in Chicago, and I had friends coming in town, and we woke up to a bunch of loud banging and screaming and everything else at like six in the morning on my wedding day and I was like we aren't no we're not doing this like I fully support you but come on I'm getting married in a couple hours I really wanted to sleep for another like two hours can this just be delayed no I'm kidding but <laughs> I get it like I, I you sit on a paper airplane like, you're like oh my hey, god come on guys let me stop sleep. your calls for just a little bit <laughs> can you go to donuts or something um uh. Yeah, that is one thing. I mean, I'm not going to go on go on in a real big tangent about this, but I think recently there was uh, there was like they were trying to unionize um, in Alabama in an Amazon plant, and I think it ultimately failed. Yeah. Um, Shout out to Bezos for union busting. Yeah, exactly. That is one thing that is like a very interesting, sad for them, um, like sad for everybody in the South because it's like, no, yeah, definitely a class issue that if people were able to collectivize, I mean, so many leaders that are elected down there would be screwed and it would really, really shape politics differently in the South, but maybe one day. One day. Sorry for my sad digression. <laughs> Thanks for bumming us out. Yeah. <laughs> Let me go on my tangent about class. Yeah. Unions. Yay. Yeah. Hey, so, Extending Rodan is definitely on our wish list. Um, it should be high on, high on the expectation list. Do we think Rick is actually going to do anything at the trade deadline? Or do we think he's going to do like another Gerard Dyson and be like, ta-da, I did something. Oh, I honestly don't hope that uh, Eloy and Luis coming back from the injured list is considered a deadline move. Because it's not. It's not. Um, so no. the priority, in my opinion, okay, that'd be um, amazing. Definitely a second baseman. I, I feel as if a second baseman would be nice uh, and also an extra reliever. So um, I, I've got a reliever wish list if, you know, y'all would like me to share. Why not? Yes. Anyway, um, <laughs> Richard Rodriguez from the Pirates. I think he would be great. Um, let's see. Uh, who else? Who else here? Um I don't know. If the Cubs are fire sailing, I might as well get Kimbrell too. I think he would be a, like a perfect setup man uh, for, for. I don't him. think they're letting him go. I think he's one of them that they're like, 
we gave him a bunch of money and now he's good, I think we might just keep him. Yeah, you know what? And that's their prerogative. Um, I think the market for maybe a more reliable lefty reliever would be good. So I'm thinking maybe Taylor Rogers. Um, yeah, he would like most of these guys are going to be rentals anyway. But yeah. I mean, if, if we're going to go for it, if, if the White Sox are going to go for it, then this is the year to certainly uh, shore up that bullpen and uh, get that extra uh, glove. Uh, I don't know. Um, so someone who hits very well would certainly be be nice to have. I know mm-hmm. Adam Frazier has been thrown around quite a bit. I was big on the Adam Frazier train at first. Uh, I don't think I really am so much anymore. Uh, but anyway, I'll, I'll open the floor to you ladies to hear what you, what, what y'all think. Is Ozzy Albies available? Like, and I know I asked that already. Uh, is Ozzy Albies available? And I'm going to have Braves fans telling me, no, we got him. Um, I think the Braves are not going to be sellers, though. The fact that they no, picked no. up Jock Peterson. Yeah. To, like, that was wild. Oh, that was yeah. wild. I was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> they definitely needed an outfielder to make up for Acuna being lost. Uh, so that yeah. definitely does not surprise me there. Uh, that NL East division in particular is there, – there's going to be plenty of stake there. I, I don't I don't think the Mets have an insurmountable lead. Uh, but no, the yeah. Mets do not have an insurmountable. Like, listen, diehard Mets fan, they do not have an insurmountable lead because it, it is the Mets. Um, but also, it's not a huge lead right now. It's not like you know. Exactly. I mean, the White Sox, the White Sox are up eight games, which um are like eight and a half at this point. Um, which is a, a good cushion to have, and that's the biggest lead right now out of any of the divisions. Um, but the Mets are only up two and a half and they're up two and a half on Philly. So all they need is like a quick skid and they're back down in second and third place. The AL East is a tough division. So, I mean, Janice, I would agree with you. I am a little nervous about catchers just because I know Yasmani's looking like he may come back but I mean he, he was is, jogging today uh, yeah to to jog on uh on, on that t- type of injury shortly after surgery I mean like maybe it, it could have been that James Fegan was using the term jog loosely uh, <laughs> <laughs> given that you know even before his injury Yasmani was slow already but yeah <laughs> I think yeah, yeah I'm just a little worried just because he's getting older and he injured his knee this year. Um, And then also, I think mainly maybe not so much a catcher, but just somebody that can get on base. So somebody that can hit. Yeah. Because that was something that was like pretty reliable, surprisingly reliable for the amount of time he kept doing it. Um, And I feel like we lost a lot when we lost that. So, and it's been weird with, just Zach Collins and Sebi Zavala. So, yeah, that would be... I like Sebi Zavala. I think his hitting is easier to improve on than Zach Collins' is catching. Yeah. yeah. Um, any, anytime I make a joke about, you know, oh my God, Zach Collins did something. I get a lot of guys yelling at me. Like, you do get yelled at a lot. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Zach Collins sucks, guys. I've said it. This is my, like, fourth podcast saying it. He looks dumb and he sucks. Okay? Just stop yelling at me about it. I'm not changing my mind. 
She has convictions, damn it. Listen, I'm Irish. I'm not admitting if I'm wrong here. (laughs) (laughs) Give me a catcher and give me a second baseman. Like, one or the other at this point would be nice. Um, Basement's a bit more important, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's definitely the bigger need right now. A quality catcher, would it be great? Yeah, I wouldn't be mad about it, but second baseman definitely is more of a need. Also, not to digress, but we got Comiskey. (laughs) (laughs) I just have to share that because she's just staring at me like that. (laughs) She's like, yes, I agree. Crystal, did you say second baseman? Was there anything else on your list? On our Santa Santa's list? I would say a reliever and a second baseman are my biggest concerns because our bullpen is so spotty at best. And if they're not going to, you know, play Hendricks or if they're not going to play Michael Kopech as often as they really should be, then that just shows you have no trust in what you're working with. So yeah, I would say reliever and then second base is, those are my big ones. Oh, yeah. they're interviewing Colson Montgomery right now on the broadcast. Aww. I have the, I have it on mute and it Dallas Keuchel like just rolled across the infield. <laughs> Wee. Wait, like, yeah, I'm like, oh, what are you doing over there? You physically okay. rolled across, like, like kind of like a Sonic the Hedgehog spin yeah. across. Kind of, like, he threw it. He threw the ball and just kind of, like, rolled. So. Yeah. That's well, now I see the kid that they're interviewing. I'm, I have Hulu, so I might be on a delay. Oh, yeah, you might be a little behind. Be. Yeah. But anyway. Thanks for um, that, Hulu. Game six of the NBA Finals is going to be on in two minutes. Uh, so, uh, anyway, uh, Bucks and Six. Fear the deer. I don't know if y'all are NBA fans, but anyway. No. I don't have time. <laughs> I'm just happy both teams are there at this point. I don't. Yeah. Both teams have emotional investment, but I like both of those teams enough to be happy with whatever. Yeah. But, it's very nice to see it mixed up. I do like Giannis, though. So I'm, yeah. I do too. I think go in that direction. Yeah. He's just, yeah. he's a Pete. I like so, Giannis, too. Yeah. I'm going he's for awesome. him on proximity. Like that too. He's close. I hope they win. They're the yeah. closest ones. <laughs> We're doing a proximity thing here. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. All right. So I suppose that is yet another wonderful episode of the Estrogen Power Hour. Estrogen Power uh, Hour and a half, more than likely. Yep. <laughs> anyway, uh, thank you all for listening once again. Where we will come back to you next time with even more shit we're mad about and. <laughs> It, we're not mad about, you know, it's, it's, it's a cornucopia of, of, of shit in general. So mostly positive, <laughs> mostly positive. Well, yeah. we'll see if we can find another weird White Sox history thing to talk about. That sounds Jersey weird. cutting. I love it. Jersey cuttings can't happen every year. I'm loving all these things that we're talking about. <laughs> Please catch me up on history. Yay! I, need to, I need to relive it with you. So it's like, I can be there. All right. <laughs> Cool. Thank you for listening, everybody, and we will talk to you again soon. Bye.